Hi there. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. There he is again. Wait, Erica, you have to know. Everyone has to know that David always starts off with like, hi there. Like, <laughs> he just like walks in like, like, no one's around. <laughs> yeah. So it's hello. It's like, it's like ASMR with that very sensitive microphone just whispering, yeah. exactly. making like weird, weird <laughs> mouth sounds. <laughs> hello. This hello. is that kind of podcast. This is that kind of show, it's, you know. It's true. Good. I knew I knew I was walking into something that I was going to regret later. <laughs> and clearly, clearly I was right. Strap in. <laughs> Keep all arms Stra- and legs. Strap on. In, uh, we cut we cuss? What? I mean, we cuss on here sometimes. Where are you <laughs> from? All the fucking time. What you, we just we just open you want a fucking snack <laughs> I was trying I was trying to say cover and discuss <laughs> I th- <laughs> like it had all uh, blended together i thought you were trying to say curse and you said cuss yeah <laughs> cover and discuss i love that so this is silhouettes jb podcast now can you can you clarify do you guys like the show do you guys like Jerry not at all forget? we hate it <laughs> I mean, what the okay. fuck are we doing here? You know, we got mobbed up, and that's yeah. why we're making this podcast. Exactly. We got mobbed up. For us, it was two out of three. Um, Silhouettes <laughs> JB Podcast, the deepest dive into Jersey Boys that you've ever taken, will take, have took, taken. You know, we're not a grammar podcast. Have took. <laughs> taken. You, you have ever taken. Will ever have taken. That's tooken. what it is. Yes. Tooken. Yeah. Yep. Thank okay, you. Yep. That's you it. will ever have taken. Yeah. Yes. And Just to um, be cr- grammatically correct. <laughs> we cover the movie, oh, the wait. show, I'm not all suppo- the different... I'm not supposed to talk in this part. That's right. No. I'm, I'm not supposed to talk oh, in this part. Oh, it's I'm totally to okay. Intro, it's right? totally it's okay. okay. I mean, the, line, okay. The, line, the lines have been be- very blurred since the start. <laughs> My goal is to make sure to keep interrupting you guys and to make sure that nobody who's listening to this has any <laughs> idea what, what this podcast is, who you're talking to. Anytime you say anything important, like, and now, then today, tonight, we're interviewing, and then I'm going to cut, I'm going to come in and interrupt <laughs> you, so no one will know. No one will know. But yes, this is Silhouette's JB Podcast, the deepest dive into Jersey Boys there has ever been. Now, here's the thing, you guys. We talk about the show and the movie, but this is our first time with an actor from the Jersey Boys movie 2014, Clint Eastwood. This was what started the love for Jersey Boys for so many people, people who never saw the show, people who saw it, but maybe they kind of forgot about it or they needed a refresher or they wanted to see it told from a different point of view. And we have Erica Piccinini, who was also, okay, double double whammy here. Our She's our first Jersey girl from the original Broadway cast. Ayo. This is a huge episode and I and Erica is hysterical she is honestly like a pure inspiration for me as a performer all around and let's that is true everything you're saying is correct I am I am amazing yes she is <laughs> well, let's I talk am. even more about <laughs> you so kidding. Erica Piccinini is a woman of many hats and I absolutely love that about people she is credited in theater television film and commercials she's been in a shit ton of national commercials you've seen her and she's also an accomplished violinist with the Santa Monica Symphony. 
Erica is a Jersey native and NYU Steinhardt graduate. She originated the role of the Rain in Jersey Boys on Broadway from 2005 to 2008. She played Louisa in the Fantastics at three theaters and performed in what we need to see, David and I from Florida, Palm Beach, a screwball comedy, sounds freaking hilarious, <laughs> and private fittings at La Jolla. Erica is no stranger to La Jolla, which is awesome. David, keep talking about our one yeah, of the Yeah, she, she's been all over the screen, the stage. You've seen her in episodes of Mad Men, NCIS, The Good Wife, Lie to Me, Criminal Minds, and more. All the sun and the moon and the stars roll on into one. All right. She's the lead in a killer short film, Zelos. So good. Um, you've seen her national commercials and on social media. I mean, her Instagram is hysterical it's incredible these comedy sketches that she comes up with we're i mean uh, we, we can't fucking genius yeah we can't <laughs> express how excited we are to get to know this jack of all trades wearer of wearer of many hats please welcome erica piccinini wow you guys i that i you made me sound so good i i i, I think i'm done i think i want to i want to get off this <laughs> I want to finish the interview. Yeah, because I feel so good right now. I just want, I just want to take everything you just said and just go to bed <laughs> and have wonderful dreams. <laughs> just, can I mean, you, would you mind, um, can you send me a, a, just a, a video clip and a soundbite of you just saying all of those things and then I'm going to write it. I'm going to write it down and put it on my uh, mirror of my bathroom and just recite all those things out to myself every morning as soon as I wake up. Perfect. Um, yeah. Of course, we'll send it to you. I'm yeah. really happy. Pretty I'm dreams, really happy Francine. Pretty <laughs> dreams. <Yeah. laughs> the devotions for the right. morning. Yes, yeah, so it's like what are you, what are your intentions for the day? Like I'm listening about myself. Yeah, it's like my my affirmations. Instead of actually saying affirmations, I'm just going to list all of the all of the TV episodes I was on. <laughs> <laughs> just like you. Just I love that for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that for you. I love that journey for you. That's I love that journey for you. <laughs> I love that for you. You guys watch Shit's Creek. I hope, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we already started yeah. a little bit just about about your background. Like you're from Jersey. We interrupt this regularly scheduled programming to introduce a bit that we've never introduced before. So we're going to rewind and put something in that we talked about earlier in the podcast, but seemed more appropriate here. We hope you like it. One of the most special things about doing these interviews and doing this podcast is people who have been away from the show um, for even two years or as long as you have, um, hearing one thing can bring back something beautiful. Even the simple lines that aren't necessarily like so specific to anything. Um, like, what, you want to fucking smack? Like, <laughs> What'd you do, a Nikki special? Yes. Exactly. Also, when a character is in your bones and... And, you know, and I think for Tommy, there's also, there's a physicality of that Italian Jersey machismo thing. Um, and so I think when a good actor gets it in, has that, that essence in their bones, all the right stuff is going to come out, you know? Yeah, you want to fucking smack? I mean, all that stuff just, you know, it's all, it's, it's all appropriate. It's all, you can't go wrong, you know? <laughs> of course. Yeah, and you were a Jersey native yourself, right? So were you surrounded by this kind of language and the machismo, as you said? Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, it's definitely, you know, in all in all film and television that talks about, you know, 
Italian-American culture in Jersey and, you know, the Sopranos and all that kind of stuff. It's definitely, you know, it's heightened and exaggerated a little bit, but not that much, you know? Exactly. Like, for me, it's almost comforting. And it's funny because, you know, now, like, living in Los Angeles as long as, as, long as I have now, little things like when I'm when I'm like running errands or back when I used to go to stores and I wasn't staying inside, like the woman at the checkout counter, like she does, she doesn't talk, she doesn't talk like this, you know, like she has, she has her, it, I mean, it's LA, so she, she doesn't. So when I go back to, to, when I go back east and I go back to New Jersey and I, and I, and I run an errand, like for some reason it's comforting to me to hear somebody be like, you know, I never hear that anymore. Like just that way, that, that just way, that like Jersey. Yes, I absolutely grew up with that energy, that just way of that way of, of looking at life. They all have hearts of gold. And they're all coming from absolutely the right place. They're always like highly sensitive people, and yes. I think that's why they mask it with this tough. The more raw, the more raw and and, and hypersensitive and maybe insecure you are, especially as a man, I think, the more these kinds of people tend to tend to you know mask it with all of this like kind of. Energy yo. and this tough kind of, hey, like, yo, what are you yeah, doing? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a pressure. Overcompensating. It's a pressure that they feel right. too. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. And women too. Women do it too, but you know. Of course. Yeah. <laughs>
I mean, I, I, it's true. Yes, I mean, I grew up eating the lasagnas and all, the, you know, and the, the pasta al forno and all the cheese and all that stuff. Yes, but really my day-to-day meals were like, my mom would call it peasant food. You know, it's the stuff that she grew up eating because she grew up poor, mm-hmm. you know, on like a little farm and they, they couldn't afford uh, to have cheese and pasta all the time. So it was, it was mostly like beans. It was a lot of beans that we would have, wow. you know, like a lot of like, you know, a pasta fagioli and like stuff like that, um, minestrone soup. Um, a lot of vegetables and beans, so so it was actually pretty, pretty healthy and and uh, and fresh. It was only on holidays that we had the, you know, the, the sauce and the meat and the cheese and the stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my mom's from Abruzzi, so um, which is like uh, a lot close to the the Adriatic coast. It kind of looks like Tuscany, like her town. Yeah. It's called Colonella, as the name of the town that she's from. Um, it's not even on a lot of maps, but really it's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much yeah. for sharing that because we, we really do want to try to get a, as much of the real Italian perspective as possible. So. I don't know if I have the real Italian perspective. I hope I do. But, you know, I wasn't born there, so I don't know. I'll do my best. <laughs> I definitely have the culture. Would you, would you give Italian lessons? I've been trying for years to actually sit down and learn. I don't, think, I, I don't think that I, I have the chops to teach Italian. Maybe if I, you know, lived there for like a month, because that's the thing. It's like when I'm away from it, it it's, it's, right. You don't use you know, it. You lose I don't it. speak it every, my everyday life. Exactly. So, right. but when I go there and I've been there for a little bit, then it just comes back and I'm like, blah, 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 you know, um, so maybe, but not at this moment, I don't feel that I could. Gotcha. <laughs> I also don't want to, Gia. I don't want to teach you Italian. I don't have time. Who the fuck has time? Just kidding. <laughs> Um, but so but more about your childhood. Um, so you play the violin. How did you get into it? I think I was in third grade when I started. Um, and uh, I've just, it's, it's, I adore it. It's a, it's a very hard instrument to play. It requires a lot of coordination and intonation is very difficult, you know, because it's all up to you. Right. <laughs> I still struggle with intonation. Um, so yeah, I started very, very young and I, and I, that was really my passion for a while. I mean, I always sang and did little, made up little plays and, you know, reenacted things in my bedroom, but it wasn't until I was about 12 years old that I actually decided I wanted to do theater. Up until then, I was all about violin and I would, I, you know, attended a lot of like chamber music workshops over the summer and I wanted to be a chamber musician. I wanted to be a professional violinist. Um, and then I did Into the Woods mm-hmm. in junior high, and I played The Witch, ah. uh, which was, yeah, which was directed by my very first and closest uh, old friend, Alex Gemignani, who's a Broadway star now. Oh, big and time. He's, you know, no a, yeah, he's a, teaching, he's a teaching artist, and he directs and music directs, directs. So we went to school together. We were literally, went to nursery school together. We were literally in diapers. And I just loved it. I had so much fun. I loved the, the audience reaction. And, and I, think my, I think my parents were a little, not disappointed, but they were a little like, ah, oh, really? Because I think they were, they, I think they enjoyed sort of like telling their friends and other family members that I wanted to be a violinist. There was something so classy about it, mm-hmm. you know? And then when all of a sudden I wanted to be an actor, I think it's, it, to them it seemed more risky. Maybe they were, like, more worried about me. So mm-hmm. they were supportive right away, but they were, they were more cautious, right, you know? I think they were a little bit like, oh, 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 oh okay. But, uh, yeah, I kept with it. I kept, I, I stuck with it. I, every once in, you know, I, I would go through periods of time where I would kind of, it would go dormant and I would put it away, but then maybe I would get an audition where they needed somebody who could play violin, so I'd pick it up again to warm myself into it, and then I'd get into it again. And 
So when, when I was in college, it's a very long answer, isn't it? When I was at NYU, I started again. Um, I just missed the violin. I was craving something. I was craving that classical music um, part of my life. And so I picked it up again and started playing in a chamber group at NYU. Oh, nice. Um, and that was, you know, of course, in my 20s. And so I reignited the fire, and it's been... I've been, you know, it's been on fire ever since. Oh. Well, can we also but, talk yeah. about the fact that you got the witch in your first musical ever? Like, I got my best roles when I moved to New York. Like, in high school, I did not get the parts. And I'm like, okay, and it was totally yeah. fine. And I was, I, was, I was dance captain, and I was, like, the ensemble queen, which is, was totally fine. And I love it. And I would love to be a swing one day if I were to ever, like, be, like, up here. Um, to do that, yeah. but I, it's just so cool that that happened to you in seventh grade. I love that story. It, it was, it, 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 thank you. I mean, it was, it was fun. I mean, you know, I was 12. I don't, I don't know what the competition was at that point, <laughs> but, but I, I'm, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. You have to be a workhorse, you know, you have to be all about, you know, your teammates, you know, especially theater, you know, it's a team effort, it's, yes. you know, so, so it's about the other person. It's always about the other person in the scene. It's not about you, you know, and so it's easy to get wrapped up in that, of course, because you love the attention and you love the applause and all that stuff. But um, when you start getting smaller roles and supporting the story, mm-hmm. that's when, you know, your love of, of, of acting really starts to ignite. Playing in a, in a uh, second violin in, an, in a large orchestra and, and being a not huge part in an ensemble cast of something. It's the same thing. It's like you, you, you're not the star of the show. You need to listen to everybody. You need to listen to the other musicians. You need to listen to how you fit in. It's ensemble art. It's an important skill to have, and I love it. I love knowing how your little part fits into everything else and makes it all beautiful. When you went to NYU, mm-hmm. did you choose, oh, I want to go to Steinhardt for the Bachelors of Music in musical theater mm-hmm. voice, right? Yes, vocal performance. And yeah. so did you, did you choose between Steinhardt and Tisch, or it was always Steinhardt? Yeah, I mean, briefly. There was, I visited both, and I just remember, um, you know, Steinhardt was more, a little more music-focused, um, and at the time, that's kind of where my heart was at, you know, the, the, the vocal aspect of it. Um, and also the main reason was it just felt like Steinhardt just felt a little smaller, a little more nurturing. I was maybe a little bit intimidated or, or, or just, uh, in Tish cause it was kind of more this environment of like, you know, you're, they put you in a studio and you just work, work, work. And I don't, maybe that would have been better. I don't know. I mean, I had a great experience at Steinhardt, but the main deciding factor was my audition, my audition for NYU, because at the time I think I was still. I was really into Boston Conservatory because I, I think I like read the pamphlet and fell in love. This is back when we weren't looking at online things. You know, we were looking at, I had a physical pamphlet that I was <laughs> rifling through the pages and seeing pictures of like actors and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, this looks amazing. And, um, uh, you know, a few other schools that I was, that I was, that I was in Ithaca, I was into. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until my audition. Um, and just the way the staff, you know, the way the, 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 the teachers were with me, I could, just could tell that they believed in me. And that, that kind of made me go, I, I remember walking out of that room and, and saying, you know, if, if I get in, this is where I want to go. Boom. So that was a deciding factor for me. Yes. Yeah. Like it would, and for anyone mm-hmm. listening out there who's not exactly sure where they want to go, especially during COVID time, you always end up where you're supposed to be. So, so you graduate from NYU. And mm-hmm. how much time is it between graduation and Jersey Boys? 
it was five years, mm -hmm. five years, um, which at the time felt like a very, very long time. Of course, in that time, I was working constantly, but just doing um, commercials and... Uh, I was working constantly. <laughs> I felt like such a jerk, but I was. Most <laughs> blessed. I was doing commercials. <laughs> uh, hashtag blessed. That was hard. I, I was hard on myself about that, I remember, because a lot of my peers were already in stuff, you know... Um, some of, some of my classmates were, you know, already on Broadway even before they graduated. So I, I put a lot of pressure in, on myself, I think, to, um, to, to get there. And to, I, I worked really, really, really hard. It was very important to me. Um, but, yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, uh, it was five years. And um, I, I will say, though, the benefit of that, I think, is that it, I, I was very prepared for it. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I knew how to prepare. I knew how to... I knew how to I knew how to take care of myself during the run of a show. You know, I, I, I it, it didn't feel foreign to me. So I, I, I think, um, I think maybe I needed five years of uh, practice before I got on the, you know, on the big stage. Had you been in for like um, final callbacks or big auditions for any Broadway before Jersey? Yes, Boys? a lot. Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of different shows. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, that and that's where you kind of learn you know, you sort of train yourself to kind of go in, you know, pour your heart out uh, and then walk out and be like, okay, what am I having for lunch? Like you literally have to learn to kind of, you know, it's hard to do that sometimes, but you know, um, because you know, a lot of times it's going to be no and it's not going to happen. Um, and so you just need to be able to like kind of move on right after that. And I, I got, I got very good at that. I will say, <laughs> because I had to. Yeah. But yes, there were a lot of final callbacks for lots of sh Wicked. I mean, I remember a lot of different ones um, that came close and then didn't happen. I remember going in for a callback and singing Popular, you know. Oh, um, oh wow. And uh, I remember not knowing the song because it was a new show and learning Popular, like from scratch, you know, um, and that kind of stuff. And yeah, it's, it's, there were a lot of, a lot of final callbacks. But um, I'm grateful for all that because, again, it taught me. It's, I think it's the reason why I'm not insane. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, timing is everything. Family is everything. Timing's everything. And you did it. And you you opened a Broadway show. So imagine that opportunity too. Like you you did it. So um, I'm so oh, I'm, you had your equity card. I would think by the time you had yeah. your Jersey Boys audition, how did you hear about it? My agents. That was it. My agents. You know, they they gave me. I had an appointment. It was just like every other audition. Um, and it was for, and I was going to audition for Des Mackinoff and I had worked with him before. So that was, that was a little thing too, that I knew I'd worked with him before. And, um, I don't remember if they asked for me specifically. I think they did because yes, they did. They asked for me specifically because they remembered me from, uh, private fittings and from, you know, the, um, some of the stuff that I'd done at La Jolla. Um, and I just remember I had a really good audition for private fittings to replace an actress who had to leave. She got another job or something and she had to leave um, to replace her temporarily. Like she was going on a leave or whatever. And it was a really great audition. And I, that was my first time I ever met Des. And I just remember it was like a, one of those things where we just had, we had chemistry and I could tell that he really believed in me. And I think he kind of put me in the back of his mind. He wanted to use me for something. So I think that, that was what happened. They brought me in for that. Then I auditioned for Lorraine right away. That was my... Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So you were called in. Yeah. And I, yes, I was called in for, I remember I sang, um, I sang this song called The Boy I Love. 
which is I think from the right it's he's showing beautiful. the boy I've been dreaming of uh, he's doing the boy I love that one yes. from the, like the 50s or no 60s or whatever because they wanted a 60s song love or, that um, song. yeah how yeah. long was the audition it's like you walk in who was there Des was there and I think Ron was mm -hmm. there at least for the callback and I know I had a callback with Sergio, mm -hmm. our choreographer, because a private session with him, because he just wanted to see me move, because mm -hmm. I was nervous about that. Mm -hmm. um, he wanted to see to know that I could strut yes. around, <laughs> especially for the opening number. You know, oh, what a night with the, the three the three uh, women female dancers. And of course, mm -hmm. since then, the choreography has become a lot more dance heavy. But when we started, um, you know, they really didn't. I mean. We, we weren't really primarily dancers, you know, we were singers, primarily singers and actors who, who could move. Um, and then as the show has evolved, they, they started to um, hire more actresses who could really, who could really dance and the choreography got more, a little more challenging, I think. But for my audition, it was basically just strutting and posing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You yeah. were the solo rap yeah. singer in Sesuari La, right? Yes. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. I had to uh, hone my, my French and my, my sexy voice skills. Yeah. <laughs> I loved saying that line, by the way. And I remember looking at the French and being like, what am I, what am I? Make uh, colletant, what? I mean, I remember reading it. And so um, I, don't, I think I, I don't remember if I had a dialect coach or somebody I had to look it up, figure out how to pronounce it. And I practiced it a few times. Um, I think I did a pretty decent job. I mean, a French person would think I, I murder, I kill, I ruined it. But, but, uh, but yeah, I practiced it a few times. There's this tradition in Hamilton where um, because everything is so spitfire, they're ever da da da. da uh, so whenever they mess up, they they film themselves backstage and they do this thing called the hashtag Burr's Corner, where they're like, "This is the line. This is what I said." So did you oh, I love that. Oh, my gosh. I love that. So did you ever... Oh, my gosh. What do they do? They No. What? Did, I ever, did we ever do anything like that? No. Well, I, I mean, did, did, you, did you ever... No, but did you ever have those nights where it's like... Where it's like, I don't know what's coming out of my mouth right now, but it's definitely not French. I don't think it ever happened on that line. I think because... I forced, I had to focus every, you know, oftentimes the harder things are the ones that come out correct every time because you're, <laughs> you're so focused on it. The stuff that's like not hard, like just saying a simple, just a simple line um, that, you know, that's when certain things have been flubbed. And of course, I mean, yes, you know, but usually when that happens, other people don't notice. Right. It's usually just you, you know, that you walk off and you're like, oh, what did I say? And, you know, but, um, but oftentimes the other person in the scene didn't even notice, you know, so. Um, but yes, it's, I mean, we've, we've all, we, we all made a lot of mistakes for sure. <laughs> I definitely need yeah. some, I, some hashtag Lorraine's corners from yes. <laughs> female rap. Like, do you ever say the wrong saint? Like, is it a St. Francis? Like, oh, St. Anthony. Is that it? Like, I feel like that would come out of my mouth. No, no. I never, I wish I could tell you that I did. I wish I could, I wish I had a funny story for like some totally wrong word that I said, but no, that's not what would happen because, because it just, it's like muscle memory, you know, like I, 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 I wouldn't say St. Anthony. I would be, I, I would, I would be more likely to say like, like 
sink Anthony. You know what I mean? Like just throw the wrong consonant in there. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, like that's the kind of stuff. Or taint, taint, taint Anthony. That would be unfortunate. Um, sometimes things like that happen, you know, where you're just not like, Peh. you haven't warmed up your mouth and stuff comes out weird. But it's very rare that you, that you would say the wrong saint because it's just, you know, it's like, it's like saying the alphabet wrong. It's like in your bones. Like it just wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. It becomes like a rhythm, you know? Yeah. But yeah, we made a lot of mistakes and we, I mean, a lot of, uh, I mean, there are lots of times when like I had stomach issues and like had to run off, you know, not in the middle of the scene, but I was like, oh my God, you know, or if, like, you know, you had to pee really bad and you forgot, you forgot to pee before you got on stage. I mean, things happen. Um, yeah. Yeah, more of the funny memories that I have in terms of that are like pranks that we pulled on each other, you know, like on stage pranks. I mean, I remember one time there was, um, it could have been in the Lorraine scene where I was writing, where I, when I was writing in the interview scene, but somebody had put, uh, now of course nowadays, let me preface this, even though it was only like 10 or 12 years ago, this probably would so not be okay, but somebody had put like pornographic images in there, like nude photos or something, I forget what it was. Um, from a magazine or something, or, or, or like, or they drew, this is how bad my memory is, or they drew like penises or something in the notepad. It was that kind of stuff. So that when I would flip it open, I would just see like just a bunch of dicks, you know, like while I'm trying to focus. Uh, it was that kind of stuff that, um, you know, that, 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 that we would, those are the kind of pranks we'd pull on each other, which, which are so fun. I mean, you know, in theater school, school, you learn like every character should have a backstory and all that stuff. And you can't just stand there and stare off into space. But there are some scenes where people's backs would be to the audience. Right. Like, for example, there was one scene where I was playing one of my and others characters mm -hmm. and I was like a waitress um, and I was facing the audience, but, but Titus Burgess had his back to the audience and he was facing me sitting in a chair. He was like a patron at the diner. With his oh, back this the was in the second and, act. Yes. And so he would every night and this isn't even like a big thing. And, you know, typical for Titus, he didn't really have to do anything, but he would always crack me up. He would just it was just something about the way he would look at me with like this with like this like wide eyed kind of like dead sort of like. Um, judgmental expression on his face and he would just stay frozen in that expression for the whole scene and I don't know it's I don't know if he was trying to be funny or what but the whole time I, I just remember like I would just be like trying not to laugh like trying to like I mean he would or his expression would change in just the slightest of ways that, that would just only Titus can do that you know like he would just like move his head in a certain way or do something with his like he would look up or something and then I would just like die you know like those are the kind of things that I, I'll never forget as a matter of fact I was just reminding him of that recently when we were talking on the phone I was like remember when you would stare at me and he'd be like yes um yeah he doesn't have to do anything he just he just is is funny and he can also be heartbreaking oh yeah. my gosh yeah they have their own pranks at New World stages that they do too. Like, so um, there's this. So during in the second act, when they're um, when Bob and Frankie are in the recording studio singing, um, um, oh my God, I keep forgetting the name of this song. I'm horrible. I can see there ain't no room for me. You're only on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the song? What's the song called? Let's hang on. Let's hang on. Right. So let's hang oh, on. So in the okay. recording studio. So I was like, what? What are you saying? <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. I'm not familiar with the show. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So this is actually that's from Mamma Mia. Um, it's a it's an unknown it, ABBA song. 
um, that just made it Got into it. Jersey Boys. Ron, Ron <laughs> Melrose just <laughs> snuck it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, so you know how um, uh, 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 Bob hands uh, Frankie the lyrics to look at? Mm-hmm. So they would, they would put different things on the card. <laughs> so they would put – so th- th- there, oh, there yeah. was this one, there's this one guy who, who's not at New World Stages anymore, but, like, for – on the claim check that night, on the lyrics in the recording studio, on everything that they could have put, they put like a, a picture. I think it was like a shirtless picture of this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you were doing, um, when you were singing Frankie Nolan, were you and John Lloyd Young like trying to just like fuck with each other? Because, like, because you were singing, I still care, like, for you. And like, you're just like giving him yeah. like this death stare before he's about to like go and like do his thing and like you both just right. stare at each other and it's so funny because like we know what's going on probably yeah, yeah probably probably I mean I, I don't things that you would get into the habit of doing with other actors in your scene where you would like make a face or like they would always do something they would always like wink or they would always you know and they just start doing it every so yeah so that probably was a thing that we did where like we would just give each other death stares and then walk off there was there were so many things like that that I can remember where like I would always look at one particular person and they would make some kind of weird face and and it got to the point where like if they didn't do it every night something would be off you know yeah. <laughs> I'd be like hey you didn't you didn't you didn't mouth that word to me you know? <laughs> just when you're doing something you know eight, you know eight shows a week for for years and you know that that you get into those kind of fun rhythms and it makes it it just adds to the to the joy of it it really does yeah. How long you know? did it take for yeah. you all to kind of be in a family? Because you did this one hilarious sketch on your Instagram where it's like, you, you know, um, like I, I really I'm just not really like, like jiving with like with this cast. Like I don't I don't need to be friends with, with this cast. I can just go do the work. Go home. Oh, I think <laughs> I think you were talking about that was an orchestra thing. That was me. That was me. Um, I've never had this experience actually in, in, a, in, a, in a play in theater, but um, yes, that was, that was me rehearsing uh, with the symphony. And I think like, I don't know, it was like I was feeling socially awkward because it was like, you know, everyone already knew each other and a lot of people were like older than me or they were people who had, you know, knew each other from LA Phil or whatever. And I was just kind of this oddball, like feeling socially awkward. And, and so, yeah, that, that was a social awkwardness that happened in, in I think in, in symphony where I was making that joke. I was like, I don't need to be friends with these people. I'm just there to work. Um, the bond happens pretty pretty early on I mean of course you're stuck together for so many long hours and you know you're exhausted you also all care so much about the project especially if it's a new show and and you know we, we all were so passionate about it we all we all knew it was special you know oh, yeah. um and I think on, on television and film I think it, I think it, I think it can be for sure um it's definitely challenging when you're there for like a day on a job you know because you you haven't necessarily developed a bond with these people and you're one of many people that they, you know, that the regular actors have seen, you know, come in and out, you know, uh, various times. So, so that's, that's, that's a different thing. You kind of have to toe the line between like, you know, being professional and cool with everyone, but also like not, uh, not trying too hard to like, you know, uh, buddy up to like the star actor or whatever. you just kind of so, need to be there and kind of hit your mark and nail your line and uh and uh, you know stay out of everyone's way yeah it's a fine line yeah, in film. it's a different experience yeah. yeah i'm gonna tell you advice that my husband gives me all the time when i'm in a new 
social in, uh, environment, like joining a cast or something, he always tells me to bring apple slices because <laughs> you can give them out and, you know, people will remember you as the cool guy who brought the apple. Who doesn't love a good snack? Um, so that's my advice to you. Bring apple slices and you will always be the, in the cool group. Always. Um, Hands down. And, and, but yeah. if you bring Girl Scout cookies, that's coming on a little too strong because then everyone's going to expect you, you know, to bring Girl Scout cookies. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's true. I did bring up the apple slices, didn't I, in that video? I, that, I got that from my husband. The Girl Scout cookies was all my own. Yes, that, that is too strong. That's too strong because Girl Scout cookies is a seasonal thing. You know, you can't have them on you all the time. Apples are easy to access. You can bring apples to every rehearsal. You can't bring girl because, you know, then people are going to be expecting cookies every fucking time. Right. It's like that's too much to ask for. And some people are gluten-free or, they, you know, they can't have sugar. You just you don't want to be the, the cookies person. No, keep it healthy. But apples. Yep. Apples. Apples to apples. You know, <laughs> it's, uh... See, it's all about the food. Yeah. It always really does come down to the food, and that's what makes you memorable as a person. It's wild. Yeah. Um, I love you, it. you know, but I will say in theater, like there really is not ever, at least I haven't had, and, and I would be someone who would have social problems, but like there really isn't ever a thing where it's hard to kind of like gel or whatever, because you, you know, you're stuck, you're put in a dressing room with people and you're, you're stuck together. Right. I mean, they're stuck with you. You're stuck with them. I mean, inevitably you're going to wind up just having your own energy and your own people that you're close with. Um, it's just going to happen, yeah. you know? So it's, it's a, it's more of a natural thing. Mm -hmm. I've never struggled with social, social things in theater. What, what was it like working with, uh, Richard Hester and Ron Melrose and Des, like that, the whole creative team, was that ever intimidating? Um, no, I mean, no, I never really felt intimidated. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, sir, I mean, certainly, I mean, I, there certainly is that energy, I guess, maybe more at La Jolla when you're working with the director for the first time. Maybe when I was doing Palm Beach or something, you know, where you want, like, you want to please the director and you want them to continue. You know, I knew that he believed in me and I wanted him to keep believing in me. Um, but, but, but it certainly wasn't an energy he was putting out. It was just me, you know, being like a 20 something wanting to like be good. But that would be the extent of it. I never felt like uncomfortable, like intimidated or anything. Um, everyone was just uh, passionate about it, excited. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that they, they, um, they really believed in me. And so I, I, that gave me confidence. And, um, you know, Richard is a blast. I mean, yeah. he's just like so easy to talk to. I haven't talked to him in so long. I mean, me miss him. But um, but yeah, um, he was, I mean, yeah, it was a joy working with him. Ron is also just like a heart of gold. Um, I remember like even at the audition, I think it was at the callback where I was, I, I was singing something from the show and I think I was having maybe like a pitch issue or something. And I remember him saying something to the effect of like, um, like making a correction because I think I was, I was maybe a little flat or a little, a little under pitch. And he said something to the effect of like, and you, I know you, like you're never under pitch. So like, you know, he gave me a confidence boost. I remember yes. him saying that to me and being like, Oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, yes, he's like, yeah, yeah, he's, he was great. And yeah. Um, Des is like, was very, he's very specific. Mm -hmm. Like he was always very specific with what he wanted. And like, and I remember like even, um, you know, when we, we would come back and he would come back and watch and we would have notes sessions, you know, just kind of keep things to make sure we're all staying on our toes, you know, because we were doing the, sh the show a million times. And he would always say like, you know, 
a lot of us, not just me, but a lot of us would like sometimes deliver lines or punchlines, whatever, in different ways. Because of course, you know, you want to keep things fresh and, and, you know, if you're really in the moment at, at, you know, in the scene, like you're, you don't want to be robotic about it, but he's, Des would always say when it came to comedy, like there, there really is a right way to deliver the line, you know? And so sometimes he would say, you know, like Erica, you said this line this way and, and it didn't land as well. Don't change it just because you're bored of doing it the way you've been doing it all along. This is the right way to do it. And the funniest way is saying it with this rhythm, but up, but up, but up. You know, like if you suddenly change the line and you go but up, but up, or whatever, like he would, it, it's just not going to be as funny. It's, it'll be more interesting for you, but not as funny for them. So, I, I always take that with me. Comedy is so sensitive. Yes. You know, it's like, you know, when your charging cable for your iPhone uh, gets ripped, yes, it gets uh, torn, uh-huh. and, and 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 you have to lay the cable in a specific way because if you move it sideways, it's stu- you know it doesn't the, the green doesn't go, it doesn't charge. That's how comedy is. It's like if you just wait a little too long, or if you anticipate the joke, you know, a little, it doesn't land. You just don't know why. You, you, right. you said it the say pretty much the same way. Yeah. So so I think that's what Des was driving mm-hmm. at. Is that there's just a way. There's just a way. He would also say like. Um, if, if your line was like a, was a button or a punchline or a laugh line, he would often discourage you from using like an upward inflection. Mm-hmm. He would always say like, don't try to use an upward inflection in your voice because that is, it's very hard to pull that off and get a laugh. You, yeah. you need to just state it, lay the joke out there with a period on the end. And then it will land. Thank you. And that's what I've been learning too, especially with stand up, And because you, you have to try the jokes like, pretty much like at least like two or three times a night if you're able to go out that many times and it you're yeah. right it is it's sensitive and specific just like an italian man honestly it really is the same thing <laughs> and i'm thinking of two of your lines um it's, it's, well particularly in the show like when you have um like well you you tutored him very well you know it's period mm-hmm. done when you have mm-hmm. um like oh you and taught me i don't think that's legal in nevada you know mm-hmm. it's you're mm-hmm. not you're not like I don't think that's legal in Nevada wink wink like you're just right. in the conversation and that's something that I've learned talking to fellow comedians um just everywhere is that like growing up I always expected a, a certain person well a, a comedian to have a certain personality or always be on all the time but that's not where the humor is the humor is in those mm-hmm. like either like super spontaneous moments in a conversation or a very polished way of delivering something and when I direct things I'm I'm kind of I, I totally am with Des now like you there is a specific way to do it yes try it but you have to go with how the audience is going to perceive it more than how much you yes, want to for try. Sure. And I, yeah, and I, and I will say there's definitely like I, I, I need to I need to like quantify what I said mm-hmm. because I do think it's important in things like film and television or whatever or if you're doing, um, you know, you're you're doing a commercial audition or whatever like they do they need to see different reads right. you know you, you don't want to be stagnant they need to know that you can you can you know okay we got it that way now try it a different way mm-hmm. um, it's very important to be able to do that but um I don't know I just think specific for for uh for theater and that particular style it is it is very kind of stylized and rhythmic and I I, I will also say now that I just said all this stuff about, you know, timing and rhythm and the way you deliver it, the most important thing I think is, is to have a point of, 
you, yes. right? Is your character's point of view and to be specific to that point of view rather than you don't want to get tripped up in the rhythm. You don't want to get so tripped up in because, you know, as actors, when we're practicing for something or an audition or whatever, we rehearse something over and over again and we find the way that works and then we're like, oh, that was good. We know it was good. And then we, we nail it down and then we practice and practice and practice and it becomes this planned way of delivering it. You know, I'm going to do something, this with my eyes and I'm going to turn my head this way. You know what I mean? It becomes stagnant. So that's when you have to remind yourself of the character's point of view because it doesn't matter if you have get the timing right or you say it the right way. If you're not believable in your character's point of view, the joke is not is not going to land, mm-hmm. you know. Um, the joke will be on you. So, yeah, the joke right. will be on you. It'll, it'll, it, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be flat. Like the whole thing, like you and Tommy, I don't think that's legal in Nevada. You know, it's like when you say that line, I had to say that line a million times. And some nights it would get a big laugh. Some nights it would get a chuckle. Some nights it would just nothing. Mm-hmm. And the nights that it got nothing would be, you know, nights where, where, you know, may, maybe I just wasn't uh, wasn't a hundred percent committed to my point of view in that in that moment. What I meant by the line, I just said the rhythm of the line, and so it didn't. Mm-hmm. It just didn't land. It didn't land with people. Right. Yeah. Um, it's always your fault. It's never the audience's <laughs> fault. <laughs> and then I would go off stage and be like, "What did I do differently? What was it?" You know, mm-hmm. it's always about just having the point of view, having that point of view, and just committing to it. Yes, point of view. Yeah. Other Thank people you. we've talked to. Um, have said that you know when putting the show up that they'll want to try it a spe- they'll want to try a move or a, or a line a specific way and uh, Danny Austin or, or Ron or Richard will be like no do it this way okay but I want to do it this way okay do it that way See what <laughs> happens like try it like not not right. like in a threatening way like try it mm-hmm. and then they'll yeah. do it and it won't get that same effect and they'll be like told you so you know (laughs) (laughs) exactly but you you need to have that that freedom to to try something and that's what makes a great director too but with Des it seems like Mm -hmm. he he was very open but at the same time he'll be like but trust me on this do it this way like is that kind of how it was yeah yeah I mean yeah I mean it didn't certainly didn't feel like he was too rigid in any way Mm -hmm. but I would say he's definitely more a a director of like he knows how it needs to be Mm -hmm. and he knows that that's the that's the best way that's the best way to do it that's how we designed Um, it and tested it so it it totally makes sense yeah well I mean that that's that's part of why why his vision for it was so was so great because like that's the way he he, he's very specific you know everything about about him uh, about the way he crafts you know, a show, the way he sees it visually, like, you know, one of the coolest things about the show, you know, just putting aside the story is just the transitions, you know, like how he would have actors moving furniture and it's just like all of a sudden there's no, there's no dead moment where like all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at a a scrim or something and, and then it's the new scene, you know, it's just that smoothness, that timing. We spent a lot of time just practicing those transitions over and over and over again because, you know, you had a certain amount of time to get it done. Maybe we would be too slow or, 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 or we would get tripped up or we would try, you know, t- two actors would bump into each other. We have to figure out how to, right? So it was a lot of that. It was a lot of that. It wasn't just like the scene, the acting. It was a lot of just like going back and forth and running the transitions over and over and over again. And that was part of his, his method too, is just having it be just quick, specific. You go here, you go here. Boom, boom, boom. That's how it works. Trust me. That's how it right. works. You know, that's, uh, that was his way. Yeah. So, 
um, part yeah. being part of the original Broadway cast. You get to do all the morning shows and the and the press and all yeah. of that. So, um, what's what's that like? You know, performing on all those shows and you know doing the press. How early do you have to get up? Doing all that. Yeah, we did a few. I mean, a lot of those things were just the boys, right? So a lot of those things were just were just the four seasons. Um, but there were a few that the full cast did. Like anytime we, you know, they wanted the Who Loves You or whatever. Um, I think we did like a we did a GM. We had a Good Morning America one time. Um, we did Letterman. Um, we did you know a few. Well, that's not a morning show, but yeah. <laughs> it's mostly just you get there and it's a, it's like a rehearsal day. I would almost look forward to that because while when the show was already we were already running the show. I would always say, and this is my thing when I say what I miss about theater the most, it's not being on the stage and performing. I miss rehearsing. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite thing is to rehearse oh. because then you get, to, you get to play. You get to figure it out. You get to, I mean, like what actor doesn't love like getting a note from a director? Okay, try this and then, and then taking that and going, oh, okay. And then you get to play. And you know what I mean? Like that's the fun is the rehearsing. Mm-hmm. So it would give us an opportunity to rehearse because we'd have to come up with some kind of clean thing, snazzy thing to put together for the morning show and we'd all get to rehearse again you know we'd all get to get together at 10 a.m or whatever and rehearse for a day and nail it down and then yeah i mean it was fun i loved it you you know we would take a bus there and (laughs) um it was all uh it was it was fun those kinds of things were usually more like out of body experiences for me you know like you're outside doing good morning work and it's cold out or whatever and you're just like freezing and like it's over in a second. You're like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I think it was good, you know. Um, you know, the Tonys was the same way. Totally out of body, you know. Just like I was so excited. It was just like I don't even remember. Like I remember walking out on the stage. I remember seeing the lights. I don't remember what I did. <laughs> I don't know. I remember. I remember feeling like walking off and feeling like like I almost like wasn't on my feet. You know, like my feet didn't feel like they were really touching the ground. I mean, performers know what I'm talking about. That weird. Oh, feeling. absolutely. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, Those kind of special performances, were, it was a lot of that for me. Yeah. yeah. So the Tony Awards, yeah. were you able to attend um, or were you only there to perform? We were only there to perform. We, 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 were, we attended up until the point that we performed. Mm-hmm. And then we had our own – it was great, actually. We had our own uh, – um, we had our own party, you know. So it was actually – I frankly – preferred it the way we had it because when you're sitting there at the show you know it's it's cool you're like i'm at the tony's but we were at the tony's we performed we saw it we were there we saw everyone we got dressed up but you know we didn't have to just sit there and watch we could like have a party so like after that we all got on a bus and like they took us to wherever whatever venue i don't remember some fancy restaurant i don't remember where it was um we all watched it on the screen and we watched we watched we watched us win you know and i just remember like the excitement i remember my husband was there with me wasn't my husband yet but um, was there with me and I just remember the excitement and just all of us bawling and like and it was a party you know just uh it was it was yeah we got to enjoy it from uh from uh from our own little our own little bubble it was great and, though it was great oh. it was the full cast we were all at the party except for except for John Lloyd and yeah. and, and Christian oh and I think yeah I, John Lloyd and Christian and I think maybe all four boys oh, okay. I think oh, and you know we're, we're, we're there for the full thing they well they were at the thing Right, but afterwards, did they I think they were the at the party? thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So y'all, y'all already knew yeah. how special this thing was, but mm-hmm. once those Tonys came in, I mean, it put you right over the top. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a, 
it was all downhill from there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was, we knew it was special. We knew we had a good, a good chance, you know, of winning, but, um, honestly, I was just so excited to just be there and be able to perform there. And, uh, and the fact that we won was just, uh, that was just, um, Surreal. Well, fun it fact. Was surreal. Um, so the August Wilson actually wasn't the August Wilson when Jersey Boys first opened. It was called the Virginia Theater. Right. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yep. really cool. Mm-hmm. Can you compare the feeling of Tony Night compared to opening night? Were they similar and in previews. the jitters and the wobbliness of their legs? Like, yeah. So I think like four key performances that we think of. Um, are, okay. It's three. First preview, opening night, and then the first show after you know, post Tony Award winning. Yeah, those, those are, yeah. They, I mean, they were all similar in like the jitters and the excitement and the con- always struggling to keep your feet, you know, on the ground and to not feel out of body because you're so excited. I mean, you know, I mean, people always say, I think it's a pr- pretty common phrase that opening night shows are never really the best because everyone's so excited, you know, it's just like people are pushing, you're pushing a little too hard, you know, you're not, you're not kind of, you're not in the pocket, you know, and, um, and uh and so i think that was kind of what opening night was it was it was um opening night you know ex- extremely exciting a lot of jitters a lot of emotion um nerves all of that stuff um but 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 maybe walking off feeling like okay now 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 this next week of shows are going to be the good ones you know what I mean? <laughs> because we did, we opened you know um and previews was it was the same thing yeah. you know it was the same thing it was just like Previews was a was a, maybe a little stressful because it's still you know making some little corrections here and there and um, it was the most probably the most um, uh, exhausting time you know because we would rehearse all day and then have previews at night and it was just it was just constantly constantly living breathing eating Jersey Boys so that was um, my favorite play that has ever been on Broadway is the Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime um, I saw it six times and I saw the first mm-hmm. performance post post Tony nominations not even Tony Awards post Tony nominations they got like so many and that first performance after that was I mean it, it's already so electric but it was just a whole mm-hmm. other level so I can just imagine what Jersey Boys was like after the wins yeah it was it was it was definitely that was that was a different feeling that was not an out of body thing that was not the same thing as opening night or Tony feeling that was like just an immense amount of pride. Yeah. Like, I just think I, it was, it was like emotional. Like we just, we, we just had that confidence, you know, the audiences were insane after we did, cause everyone was so excited to see the show. Um, so the audience were really hyped up, really loud, really responsive. You know, you know, when you have when those kinds of audiences, those kinds of extra excited, you know, just post Tony's audiences are the ones that they don't just laugh at the funny jokes. They like, you know, in the serious moments you hear people go, Hmm, you know, you hear like someone in the front row, like make a verbalize an emotional sound. That's not a laugh. That's the special stuff. You know, when you hear someone in the front row, like kind of, you hear them kind of go, uh, or, you know, things like that. Um, those are the kind of audiences we had like right after the Tonys. Yeah. That's the best. 
That's that the was the best. That was the best. <laughs> that, that will snap you right into it. Even if you're like a little feeling a little off or not, not maybe you're, you know, whatever, when has off nights, you'll hear something like that. And all of a sudden you're like, you're, you almost feel bad. All of a sudden you're like, this is very important to this audience. Like, what, how dare I commit, <laughs> no. you know? I, well, it's an instant connection, like right back to where you have to be. And so, so with all yeah, of you talking yeah. about just like different performances, um, this goes back to knowing how to take care of yourself. Um, so if it were me, at least like in high school, whatever I, I if, if, when it was hell week for the show, that was the only thing I could think about. I would like get sick to my stomach if I ha- like, just just thinking about everything, making sure I'm not going to mess up. Um, oh my god! Like on on Smash, <laughs> at the end of the first season, they're in tech out of town, and I'm uh, sorry for interrupting, but this like you're talking nope. about like this is the only thing you can think about. Um, so uh, Catherine McPhee's character Karen, um, she was proposed to during tech out of town and she was like so so he gets down on one knee and it was already a rocky relationship to begin with and he's like will you marry me and she's like i'm in tech <laughs> it's but that it's so true and and i feel like just with with women too like, like, we, like we have shit to do like yes there's but there's always so many different things going around for everybody women men whoever but it's just so um it's it's comforting to know that no matter how, how crazy it is, like, it, it, it's your job. You'll be fine. You'll get it done. And um, that's what's really important to work out. And speaking of proposals, this is huge. We oh, didn't yeah. know this. You were you were proposed to on stage after? Yes. Yeah, after yes. So this was this. Yeah, this was um, it was one of the nights that we were doing um, donations for Broadway Cares. And um Christian was on stage, you know, we were, we were doing it for, I think it was a couple weeks or something. Um, at the end of the show, talking to the audience with his mic and asking for donations, whatever. And then, um, little did I know that through the whole second act, my husband had been, he was hiding like down, you know, in the, like where we're close to like where the lighting people are, um, down like where our wig rooms are. And he was hiding there in his, uh, in his tux waiting to come on stage to propose to me. I had no idea he was even there. I was, like, getting ready to meet him, like, him and his friends, you know, after the show at a bar. I had no idea he was even at the show. Turns out my his parents were there. My parents were there. They were in the back of the audience. And, yeah, he proposed to me. Um, and I remember thinking, like, when he walked on stage, I remember thinking, like, I saw him and think my first thought is, I know that person. Because I was so not expecting, you know, I didn't even think, like, what's my husband doing here? Like, my, you know, or my my boyfriend at the time doing here I was just thinking like I know that person and then all of a sudden I'm like someone in tux that's that's my that's my boyfriend <laughs> like that's Andrew um yeah it was it was it was it was amazing and that was another moment where I remember when he got on his knee that was the moment that I realized what was happening and I heard people in the front row of the audience go oh because it was like we all collectively me and all of them realized that this was a proposal you know um <laughs> It was so great. It was so great. And, you know, and then the whole, of course, the producers and everyone of the show, like, had to be okay, you know, like, he, he had to have okay it with all of them. And they were all just so cool about it. Our stage manager was, you know, backstage with champagne. And it was Aww. just, it was, an, it was an amazing night. I mean, that's an, another reason why this show, show is just, like, so close to my heart. So many good memories. It was such a great, such a great time, um, such a fun time. 
you know, in, in, in my life. And then I went through a whole period of like being in a Broadway show while planning a wedding. And yeah, oh was, my gosh, it was, was that like it was awesome. well, you had an yeah. ad in the Times for your wedding too, which is awesome. Yeah, I don't remember how that happened. It was like um, I don't remember how we made it into the Times. Um, I don't know. My husband's here. I should probably ask him. I don't remember. Um, I just remember thinking it was it was a cool thing. Um, what was it like? doing what would end up being a long-running role in a long-running show. Yeah, you were there for three years. It was an inc- incredible time in my life. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was... Uh, I definitely had to learn how to... You had to learn how to keep things fresh, you know, um, because you are saying the same thing over and over and over again, and it becomes like a well-oiled machine, especially, yep. you know, the the female tracks. It was a lot of, like, just going around in a circle and like changing costumes. It was a lot of costume changes where, you know, you just kind of get into that rhythm where you don't even have to think anymore. You just like jump off stage, you stand like this and their dresses are changing you and then boom, boom, boom. It just, it just all becomes so smooth. Were you ever afraid to leave? I think I probably was a little, not afraid. I was like a little, I was a little nervous maybe because I was, well, because I, I decided to leave because my husband and I wanted to move. I mean, that was the reason, right? We wanted to relocate. So, at that point, I, I think I kind of felt like I was, I was on a bit of a hamster wheel, you know, not just with like the show, but just like living in New York City. I just was living my life on a train, literally, yeah. on the subway, and I was ready. For, I was ready to just change things up, you know. And so I was mostly excited. Um, I was sad, you know, to leave like just socially to leave my family in that way, and it, it felt like a, a, like definitely a cathartic and like, you know, the end of an era and a big. It was very emotional in all of those ways. Um, but I think at the time I was, I was definitely ready. I was ready. I was ready for whatever, for the next step in my life, you know, um, or, or I never would have left if I, you know, if I was like feeling trepidatious that I never would have, cause it was a dream job. Um, so at the t- I was definitely ready. I was mostly, mostly excited, excited and excited and scared <laughs> into the woods reference. <laughs> uh, yeah. Exactly. And, and I love that you called it like a learning experience because you know, so many young people will be like, well, you're on Broadway. You did it. Like, there's no more learning left to do. But then you made the moves to L.A. You, you wanted to get out there. And you had so many other opportunities. Like, you've been on all of these shows. And, that you, and you got the movie, too. And, and you're d- doing theater out there. Like, there is so much more to being an artist. And I think that's a huge lesson that David and I have learned from talking to so many actors from the show. Is that it's not Broadway or bust. And... As you know, a fellow woman, I have to I have to give you so much praise for all the work that the Jersey girls do in this show. Fifty two costume changes, thirty six hairstyles. You guys are running; it's crazy. And when you have a two girl show, that's even more work in that two hours and fifteen minutes on stage. Um, have you ever performed in a two girl show? No, that's never happened. It's oh, there was oh, because we had a swing. Mm-hmm. And so she, there was always somebody, we always had, we had me, then we had, you know, one other actor, and then whatever swing was playing the, right. the other part. Yeah, so, so, no, it was always three, three of I course, know at that one makes point sense. on Broadway, because I know off-Broadway, Gia and I have both seen two girl shows. Um, yeah, because the cast are smaller ah, now. Okay. But, but I know it did start right. on Broadway. The swing was on, and like... I don't remember. I don't know what the, what the story was exactly because you know because the cast was bigger um, in the earlier productions. But so it's like you have two girls as the angels, and that's it. 
I suppose it's doable. I mean, look, a lot of changes, some changes have been made. I mean, I know in the Vegas version, they cut some stuff. And so maybe it would, maybe it's more doable in certain, in right. certain casts. But no, we always, we always had three. But anyway, yes, it, but it was, it was, it was a lot. Is the yeah. rain supposed to be from Detroit since she writes for Detroit paper? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, my, my character was based on a, a real person, but it's sort of, we sort of like, we, we sort of fictionalized her, you know, like it was loosely based on a real person. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I kind of create, when that happens, you kind of, you create your own story, you know? And so for me, it was, yes, she was from Detroit. I remember I had like a whole thing written out on her background. Um, now, of course, I don't really remember, but, <laughs> but I, but I do. Um, I used to do that stuff all the time. I mean, I still do, um, like writing, writing out, you know, answering questions as a character and, you know, things about my background and stuff to just kind of fill it so that she feels flesh and blood and real and not just the girl in that scene, you know? Um, but yes, in my mind, she was always yeah. from Detroit. Cool. So, well, we have to dive I mean, in yeah. to the movie. Now, David and I have seen the movie, mm. seriously, about 150 times. Um, everyone who's listened to the show knows our story with the movie. But so kind of rapid fire questions. Um, did you have to audition for the movie? Was there a table read for the movie? And how many days were you on set? I did have to audition. Um, I did. I went in and, and I was put on tape. I went to the studio uh, to audition. And I think I originally, when I first went in, actually um, uh, went in for um, uh, Mary. So, and I remember, I remember, like, I was excited, actually, because it was like, I was like, oh, that would be funny. I was in my mind, I was like, that would be fun to be able to do that Mary Delgado scene. Because, of course, yes. you know, I was a little older at that point. I was like, oh, I, like, maybe, maybe it would be fun to kind of switch it up and try a different character. So I did for Mary, and then, of course, they brought me back in for Lorraine. Um, and then I did that. So, yes, I did audition. And uh, I was I was on set. We were filming for I think it was like I was only there for like a week. Um, it was pretty quick, uh, maybe like five days total. Mm -hmm. And no, there was not a table read. Um, there wasn't a table read. I remember I just I arrived on set and they uh, they introduced me to Clinch, and um, that was exciting and scary. Um, and uh, and that was it. John Lloyd was there. We were psyched to see each other. We hugged, and, and that's it. We were right in it right away. Boom, boom, boom. It was very smooth. Wow, love it. Yeah. How many takes does Clint like to do per scene? I know it's not many. N not, uh, yes, not a lot. I mean, it mm -hmm. was literally like we would, like maybe two, three maximum. Wow. Um, you, yeah, very often it was just, it was just, it was just one take. Um, and it was interesting because at first it made me nervous because I was like, oh no, you know, I really want to have the opportunity to, to really feel like I nailed it. But then, you know, he kind of makes you realize like that once you start trying to add stuff and do different things, you're, you're probably just taking away from, from it anyway. And I think he just felt like we knew these characters, we had them in our bones and like the fresh one, the first one is very often the best one. So I just like went with it and, and trusted him and it was, yeah. And it's, it's good in a way because it's like saves a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not there for a million hours. It was also really, really hot in those rooms because, you know, you can't put the AC on and it was like in the middle of summer. So um, I was like dripping sweat. <laughs> I just remember that. I was like, they kept like dabbing me. Like even, every, even now when I watch the, um, some, like my first, my um, scene with Tawny, mm -hmm. 
I was just thinking the whole time about like how hot I was. Yes, and like your turtleneck like, dress. Oh. Yeah, I couldn't imagine how hot yeah. you were. And the wig too. Was yeah. that a wig or was that your hair? Yeah, it was a. Um, that was a wig. It was. No, it was my hair, and they added in pieces. Okay, I think is what yeah. It was. Yes. I was like, I'm like, that is her hair yeah. color. Like, that'd be so cool. It was just like relaxed. Yeah, it was my hair, and they they just added in like to make it, um, you know, more full and like. That's a wig, bitch. (laughs) Well, what what I really appreciate and love about the movie is that it really does pull the curtain back and tells the story. Um, So when you were on set, did you recognize that that the tone, not that the tone shifted, but the the speed was going to be a lot different? Um, Was that something that you noticed on set or did you really like take it all in when you watched it at the premiere? Um, no, I noticed that the, that the, that the, the speed was different, you know, because you can sort of take a little more time and film, you know, um, it's not so much about like musical beats and like that energy of live theater. So you can kind of like, you know, you can, you can just sort of, the camera's right there. So you can just kind of think the thought you can take mm-hmm. your time. Um, and so it felt, it felt more relaxed mm-hmm. Um, and, and also it did feel a little, you know, it's, it is odd doing, doing a show that you, you're used to having that theater energy and suddenly pulling it back to like this, you know, this, uh, film energy where it's like, you know, you have to be a lot smaller and, um, and, uh, and, and, you know, you don't have to project as much and all that stuff. In a way, it was freeing too, though, because Mm -hmm. it allowed me to kind of really zero in on like the energy between, uh, Lorraine and Frankie, you know, oh, yeah. and Lorraine and Tommy, and not not having to worry so much about like all of the sort of technical stuff and being big and whatever, projecting my voice. But I remember being told quite a few times that even with my mic on on stage, that I was a little too soft. I remember really? that a lot. Like, yeah. Can you speak a little louder? Yeah. So um, it was good that I could I could whisper if I wanted to. So you find little little ways that you, it's you know a little freeing in a way. Yeah, that's awesome. Well. Thank, this is this has been so thank great. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for talking about everything with us, and thank you for. I mean, you dropped the mic. That's 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 literally what happened. Yeah. And <laughs> we, we've been blessed to literally. to to have that experience a lot in the show. And you being um, our first original Broadway cast member in our first movie. I mean, what are you doing these days anyway? Who's doing yeah. anything these days? You know. <laughs> But no, of course, you know, no, we, we know, you know, um, we're, you, you, you're doing so many amazing sketches on your Instagram, your WAP parody, parody. hysterical, <laughs> everyone the go best. check it out. Um, follow Erica Piccinini on Instagram. Um, where else can we find you? Um, well, definitely follow me on Instagram because then you'll find out any, you know, any new upcoming projects that wind up happening, I will post about them. So that's the, that's the best way to do that. And, you know, I'm using that as my creative venue right now during this very, very, you know, st- strange time. So um, that's it's I'm having a blast on it. And it, it's, it's such a great way for actors and musicians to express themselves and create content and and still do your thing that you love to do and reach people without having to physically touch them. So, yeah, <laughs> I would just say follow me on the IG yeah. and um, and you'll 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 be updated on it and any and all good things that are coming go watch zelos it's a really really good uh short film that she was in it was fantastic so well made you were brilliant in it go watch zelos go watch all her sketches 
watch the WAP video. Titus Burgess even reposted it too, so. It's wonderful speaking to people who are like so passionate about the show and um, and that's what it's all about, to be able to reach people. And I'm, I'm so happy that we, that we reached you. Um, it means a lot to me. Yeah, keep doing what you're doing. And um, it was, this was really fun. This was really fun. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. This was another episode of Silhouette's JB Podcast. Thank you so much, Erica Piccinini, for coming on, our first original Broadway cast member and our first movie cast member. This was such awesome. You are awesome people. Thank you. Uh, Listen to us wherever you can find podcasts on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Breaker, on Google Podcasts, everywhere with the sun and the moon and the stars all rolled into one. Okay? And uh, thank you so much to Anchor.fm for sponsoring us, for hosting us, for pushing us so we can go over the top. Uh, follow us on Instagram at, at SilhouettesJBPodcast underscore. Follow us on Facebook at, at SilhouettesJBPodcast. Join our Facebook group, SilhouettesJBPodcast group. Or, you know what? Send us an email. Be old-fashioned. Send us an email. SilhouettesJBPodcast at gmail.com. Have a beautiful day, a beautiful night whenever you're listening to this. A salute.